0: russia and this is building bridges a podcast made in collaboration between russia and kings
1: hi i'm maria i'm working at the EDID office at king's i'm in my second year and today we have a lovely guest zoe Zoe, would you like to introduce yourself hi i'm dr zoe leyland my pronouns are she they i am the coordinator
2: for um, edida and uh, interprofessional education in the faculty of health sciences uh, but I also work as uh, at King's as the 2SLGBTQIA support group facilitator. And how I got connected with them is being part of the pride committee for the larger Western campus. And uh, there was a, rec- a request for a facilitator and I saw the opportunity and really wanted to kind of get to know King's students a little bit better and um, support them through their queerness. And kind of create a queer um, environment that was safe and also with a focus of queer joy.
1: Awesome, thank you so much. So, today we are so glad to have Zoe in because our topic is campus language and inclusivity uh, in regards to the 2SLGBTQIA community here at Kings. So, for our first guiding question, I was hoping you could answer what do we mean by campus language and inclusivity? So um, I think that we're specifically looking at
2: 2SLGBTQI+, or you can also refer to the community as queer community. Um, That community has taken back the word queer. Uh, Originally it was used as a slur, but we have taken it back and empowered it. Um, So really what it means to be inclusive is acknowledging um, that queer people exist in all spaces and in making an inclusive language I think it's really important um, that we consider that people have social identities that may be invisible uh, so always um, kind of conducting yourself in a way that potentially someone in the room could be part of this community
0: so on campus um, and like everyday life is there anything or any steps we could take to using more inclusive language
2: Yes, absolutely. So things like stating your pronouns, even if your pronouns are within the binary of she, her, he, him, um, still stating them I think is really helpful for others that don't use um, within the binary. So pro or neo-pronouns um, or alternative pronouns, for example, mine or she, they, um, but she, they is equal. So I, pref- I would, it's not just a preference, but it's actually can be kind of a life saving um, and a way of showing people that they are seen and heard um, by using pronouns. So just introducing yourself, whether you're part of the community or not can be really helpful. Uh, also things like addressing people in group settings, instead of going to guys which has become fairly new gender neutral um, maybe saying um, folks or all or y'all uh, things like that considering that everyone in the room may not have the same social identity uh, as yourself
1: yeah for sure, like when i are in a classroom, like first day of the year, um, entering in the new space, it feels really welcoming when somebody starts out by giving out their pronouns and then starts that domino effect of everybody sharing as well. Mm-hmm. And it just makes the space feel that much more comfortable, especially with certain events that happened um, last year in a gender um, studies classroom. It feels a lot better when somebody lets you know, hey, this is mm-hmm welcoming this is we're making a space here for everybody and you're safe here so i feel like yeah saying your pronouns is such a simple step but it works so well it really does and it's not just about like creating a safe space because we can't always ensure safety
2: but it's also creating a brave space where you can come Mm -hmm. and be yourself and then taking it a step further and creating an accountable space. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's this really wonderful article from medium.com that talks about how, what we want to work towards is an accountable space so that everyone feels that they can call things out. So if someone uses language that they're not comfortable with, everyone in the room is accountable for that language and you kind of unpack it in a safe, um, respectful way.
0: Okay, Um. when you say like accountable, like calling people out, how would we safely do that in, like, in a community like space?
2: Mm-hmm. So I think it really comes from, there is a bit of a power dynamic sometimes, especially if you're a student in a classroom and then you have your instructor, your professor. Um, so I think it's up to them to create that accountable, safe, brave space. Uh, so if they're working towards that, um, then hopefully then you feel more safe and confident in in sharing something that may feel uncomfortable for you. But then there's also so many resources on campus, the office of EDID here. Um, We also, as the facilitator for the 2SLGBTQI plus um, support group, uh, students can also come to me and we have another co-facilitator, Alex Levine, who uses she, her pronouns. Um, so there are spaces where you can kind of practice that. It's very much, um, it's very much like almost like how you think about microaggressions and racism. If you're faced with that microaggression, is it safe for you to call it out at them in the moment, or is it safe for you to do that privately with someone else? Um, you really have to kind of consider the the climate and the environment that you're in before you put yourself in either more harm or um in a position that could be very
1: uncomfortable. Would you both like to share your pronouns? So I use any pronouns uh, maybe because I feel like I identify as a gender fluid person but I also like to use the near pronoun um, it it's because sometimes people like to try to make me feel little by calling me an it but it's funny because I do use that pronoun and I you know it's a way to reclaim the power um, that they're trying to take away from me. But yeah, I've experienced and like explored with a lot more pronouns. I feel like those are the ones that fit. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, For me, it would have to be she slash her. I haven't really like dove into like other pronouns yet because I am kind of new to that. um, Because I was born in the Philippines and obviously like we're not really like caught up (laughs) as much as canada is Mm -hmm. so uh, i think right now it should it's she slash
1: her
2: it feels good for you Mm -hmm. yeah i only recently used um started using she they um i identify as um non-binary um but still i think because language is always evolving and our identities our social identities are changing um it may change over time so i think it's important to recognize that in people and it goes beyond just pronouns I think for inclusive language it's also thinking about how not every person comes to a space um as um as hetero as well um a lot of the times we make these assumptions that there is only one way a family can look or one way a relationship can look to. so I think in in talking to like masters of social work um students who are part of the to us, LGBTQI plus community um, in the support group that I facilitate, um, they're talking about family dynamics, and it was only heteronormative-looking families, a uh, husband and a wife and um, children. Where not everyone's family looks like that, so making that assumption is another way of not including a person into a space. So I think pronouns are a fantastic starting point, but it's also not making the assumption that a partner always has an opposite, is always an opposite sex. Using um, using language like that, I think can be even more inclusive of what the person has at home. Um, and what it looks like for them. So not making assumptions, but rather asking a person. And I think it really helps in stating what yours are first. Like I go back and forth between using spouse and husband, um, using he, him pronouns, because that's what his are. Um, and there's there's quite a few things that we just make, make um, we just assume that it's going to be heteronormative when that's not always the case.
1: Yeah, for sure. Maggie. Um, here at Kings, I feel like I've been lucky enough to find a lot of classrooms that are very welcoming um, but there's still those moments where you'll have a professor or a classmate say something that you're like, oh, that's that wasn't very cool and it is, like we spoke about this just a little bit ago, um, how like it, it can be dangerous to like approach these topics but if you're a person that is privileged enough in these societies where heteronormative, like, Western, white people are more advantaged than others for XYZ reasons, it is a bit safer to approach the topic and be able to talk about it and be able to talk, like, and try to deconstruct all of these ideas that other people have from, like, the same stand that they're at, that we've placed at, because of a person who's, for example, like, brown and like has all these other features tries to it's more likely that they'll endanger themselves and end up in a bad situation which is obviously not good for anybody Mm -hmm. and so like having these conversations is so important for people to you know watch themselves before they communicate something that might affect somebody else in the classroom because that can also like i know for a fact that i've left the class because i didn't feel comfortable with the professor and how the professor communicated certain things so it's like really watching like the people you can affect by saying certain things that you know it's just it's just important to care for the people who feel like you know just make a little space where you can just be nice. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah I think it's really too like I acknowledge and recognize my own privilege as a white uh, person who's uh, female presenting, educated, and I think that in doing that I really want to stress that um, It is, it can be very um, much of an emotionally labor-intensive position to be a person of color who is part of the queer community. Having several underrepresented um, identities all at once, it's a lot to have to continuously educate um, our peers that are white and privileged. So, in my role and in both roles, working at Western and at Kings, I've really tried to take off that emotional labor that a lot of students of color or that are queer or have invisible social identities, um, and faculty and um, staff as well, um, to, to take that on because I'm trying to use my power and my privilege for good mm-hmm. uh, because I have so much, but I also um, I want to be I want to work towards allyship mm-hmm. and in doing that. It's acknowledging, taking feedback, um, holding space for constructive conversations because I can't possibly know everything. I can't have the same lived experience as everyone else. So I think it's really important to kind of consider that um, as the majority of our professors we're seeing are white cis people. Um, So I think it's really up to them to take that responsibility and ownership Um, really I think it's doing yourself a favor and then even if you don't know everything you possibly can't um, it's a service to your students to your community um, to at least try
1: yeah so speaking of that What are some steps that allies can take to make a space feel a little bit more welcoming?
2: Mm -hmm. I think practicing saying pronouns, like if you're using, if you're going into a space instead of assuming that someone's pronouns are within the binary, Mm -hmm. um, start using they, them. Even when you're out in public um, and you see a person, address them in a different way by, instead of racializing them or or assuming their gender or their sexual identity. Um, maybe say, oh, that person um, over there with the blue shirt, um, mm-hmm. they are doing so-and-so mm-hmm. instead. Like something as simple as that, um, just practicing in every day at home can be really helpful. Um, start trying to practice when you're, when you're preparing for a lecture or something, think about, and instead of addressing people with, hey guys, hey folks, hey y'all, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, mm-hmm. um, because that can be quite triggering to someone that doesn't identify that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are just kind of small things I think that would be helpful. Mm-hmm.
1: That's, yeah, that's awesome. I know I like to use peeps mm-hmm. for people and it gets mm-hmm. people to smile and it's just little things like that. Yeah, know? it can. And you can make it
2: pretty. your own, make it fun. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a big political statement. Mm-hmm. Um, people are so afraid of doing that. It really just is a way to create a safer space for everyone.
0: Yeah. For sure. I refer to my kids at the YMCA as boo-boo. Because <laughs> they're just so cute and they're just so small and it's like boo-boo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've mentioned the pronouns they, them a lot during this like little talk. What does it actually like mean for some people?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I can share first what it means for me. So, um, because I identify as non-binary, using they then doesn't always kind of push me into kind of female or um, a woman kind of identity. Because sometimes there are days that I feel more leaning towards them, maybe a masculine side or neither. Um, like I, It depends, yeah, just how I feel in that moment. Um, and they can be really affirming for me that, um, it's also like a way to bring back my queerness as well too, because I am in a hetero presenting, um, marriage. I think using they also then kind of helps people to understand that like, this is what this person looks like, but on the outside, there's more to that, like it, it opens up the conversation of my complexity of my identity um i don't know like maria what about you because you use all pronouns what does they them feel like for you
1: for me it feels like a way to kind of reject the fact that other people are trying to push me into a box Mm -hmm. um but without disturbing kind of like everybody else's way of going about things it's more like here you've used this term before if you feel comfortable enough to call me that i would very much welcome it Mm -hmm. um and it also feels kind of like a way of uh taking back because i am a brown person my roots are based on a lot of different um backgrounds and before conversation we had a lot more i like identities to go Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. and so it kind of feels like now that you've pushed my people back into a, a binary corner i'd like to like get underneath you to get out and find a third wall of like this is they them and you know this has been pushed up on my people how about try something new let's come on let's open it up little by little and it just feels like a nice start to something Mm -hmm. like that's gonna grow so much bigger yeah i think
2: sometimes people struggle with kind of linguistically that they them doesn't always like fit in a kind of a grammar sense Mm -hmm. but I, i try to i try to remove that um because it really just it's just it's words we've made them all up Mm -hmm. and they're constantly evolving and changing so using they them is can be kind of a blanket statement Mm -hmm. until you know otherwise until someone says to you these are my pronouns um it's also i think um it's important to acknowledge, like, for the transgender community, um, that they may not always want to be using they/them pronouns. Mm-hmm. If a person is presenting as female, it's important to not always um, assume that their pronouns are going to be she/her. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're presenting masculine, vice versa. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it really. I think there's just so much to it that it's. It's just. I think it's just such good practice to just at least try um, and if you make a mistake hopefully you own it and and apologize and it, and you can go on with your day um, but in at least trying that can be so so life-saving and important for a person that is struggling.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it's really important that if you do make a mistake to really try and show mm-hmm. someone the worst is if even if going simple as mm-hmm. like someone pronounces your name wrong yeah. and then they continuously do it over and over, mm-hmm. you feel so discredited and so like dismissed by that person. Mm-hmm. So if someone's doing the same thing with your pronouns um, or your your name even like you Michelle Annie said earlier, like you actually like to go by Annie and that feels good for you. You deserve that. Mm-hmm. Y- you want if you want that in all places that that's yours Mm -hmm. so I think that's another example too of just um or you're with your identity if you want to say what your sexual identity is and you want to be vulnerable and tell someone that you can but also that's something that is personal to you it might be constantly evolving and changing you don't have to share it but if you I think the more we do the more people will become more comfortable with um With this language being used in in every space that we
1: occupy. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's important to also just or mention, bring up that sometimes if a person is learning, they are gonna get it wrong at some point. What matters is that they want to correct themselves and be better, and like use the language in a way that they, you know, are learning is just more welcoming toward people. But it's okay if you do get it wrong every now and then. Everybody's learning, and it's okay to be forgiven to yourself but Understand that what you said does have an impact and you do have to apologize for it. Yes,
0: absolutely, I agree. Um, so Zoe, as this podcast recording is like coming to an end, is there like anywhere we can find you on campus or do you have like an email that people could contact you at? Mm-hmm. Um, so
2: yeah, you can find me at zedletwin at mm-hmm. if you'd like to contact me directly um you can also um, search for the 2 LGBTQI+ plus supports at Kings. Um, they have a website with resources if you want to join the support group you can email me directly or um, the dean of students um, Joe Henry um, has been incredible in um, making sure that the support group takes place um, so that's another person you can reach out to um, and, and we one thing that I think is really important in the support group is I put a list of resources um, just in a team site um, of spaces that are safe um, within London um, for those that are part of the 2SLGBTQI plus community. If you're new to London or not from here um, and you want to find those spaces, I'm happy to share that with anyone that needs it. Um, the same thing with like specific health related um, resources, and because I'm an employee of Western, I'm also tapped into the resources there too. So um, that's really my love language is, mm-hmm. is support, resource sharing. Uh, so at any point, if I can help someone out with that, I really, I do it from a place of, I really wish I had that for myself um, and my younger self. So it's a way to kind of heal my inner child in a way, but also just brings me a
1: lot of joy to share that with others. Yeah, that's really nice it's really nice to know that there's somebody who's there and willing to help younger generations now and it's also been lovely to have you thank yes. you so much you for coming up me. to the podcast um so it's
2: uh bi-weekly on thursdays the next one is this week um january 18th um they take place at 5 30 to 7 30 and they're in the wemple hall um building which is and specifically, the rumor in is the Vitali Lounge extension. Um, so hopefully, we will see you there. It would be great. Um, we've done some incredible events already. We had um, two drag performers come to campus, um, which was mm-hmm. really fun. And we've also had a guest speaker who talked about um, dating, online dating, like swipe culture, um, and and that experience was really. It came from a place of hetero, but it was very applicable um, to the queer community too. So we're always doing kind of interesting things. We're a small but mighty group, and it's it's just a place to really experience queer euphoria, queer joy, and acceptance and
1: belonging. That's awesome. All right, thank you so much. I'm Michelle. I'm Maria. I'm Zoe. And this has been the Building Bridges Podcast. And we'll see, see you on the other side. side.